Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Judges, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Last week we saw Joshua lead the people of Israel over the city of Jericho in that promised land that God had promised to give them, while keeping only Rahab, the prostitute, and her family safe. Today we move on from the book of Joshua to the book of Judges. So, who are these judges? Well, Joshua has died, and and questions arose as to who will lead the people, who will fight for the people. Because as we've seen, the Israelites, they they give in to temptation and sin. They turn their backs on God. They turn to other false gods. And as a result of that, they get conquered. They're just unfaithful. And so God raises up these judges— now, they're not officers in the court of the law, but they are temporary leaders. They are military heroes. They are saviors of the people. Why? Because even in the midst of the sin of the people, God can show mercy. He can show grace. He can show that he cares for his people. Even when they make some not-so-smart decisions. And that brings us to the story of Jephthah. Maybe not the most famous judge in the book of Judges, but certainly the one with the hardest name to spell. J-E-P-H-T-H-A-H. Jephthah. This is his story. He was a mighty warrior, and you might say vigilant and strong. He knew he had a great amount of potential when he was fairly young. The only problem was his family situation wasn't the greatest. See, he was what you might call a bastard child. A child born out of marriage. In fact, it was probably worse for him because he was the child of a prostitute. And there's nothing that he could do to change the opinions of his brothers about him. He would always be the prostitute's son. They hated him, and so they drove him away from the land of Gilead because they didn't consider him family. They didn't even want him around. He was an outcast, shunned by his brothers, dead to his family, and there was nothing he could do. And so he went out into the wilderness. Eventually, he found a home. He found a wife, and he even had a little girl. There was also this group of men that did see some great potential in him as a natural leader, and they became his entourage, if you will. They followed him around, even though Jephthah didn't really see himself as a leader. He was living a great life, but he may as well have been dead, because his brothers cared absolutely nothing about him or how he was. Until that fateful day day. He was sitting at home, minding his own business, and some elders from the town of Gilead came knocking at his door. They said they needed him. They said, come and be our leader that we may fight against the Ammonites. Can you believe it? These people who hated him, who drove him away, 
they're now coming to him when they need help. It must have been a lot for them to come to him, to come to the prostitute's son. But as we've seen, God uses people from all different walks of life for his plans. Even prostitutes and their children. Jephthah hesitated a little. And they went on to say that they would even make him the head of Gilead. He still didn't really believe it. And so he goes back to Gilead to see his brothers to have them verify the words of the elders to know whether or not what they said was true or if they're just trying to make a fool of him one more time. Jephthah knew he was a mighty warrior and he accepted their offer. They made him their head, their commander, no longer dead to his family as the prostitute's son. He's alive again. He is seated where maybe he always thought he belonged. He was lifted up from the valley to the place of honor. Most importantly, God was with him. And the Holy Spirit had come upon him and he knew that he was going to win this fight. But then maybe he was still a little bit afraid. Maybe he was still unsure of his capabilities. Maybe he acted in haste. And so he makes this not so smart vow to God. Jephthah made a covenant with God and said, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Of course, he went on to fight the Ammonites and defeated them pretty easily. God delivered Jephthah that day from the hands of his enemies. God protected him, gave him the victory, and Jephthah makes his way home. Except he goes from probably this all-time high in his life, really feeling alive, to being brought down into the valley. You can just imagine how his heart drops as he's walking to his house and who comes out but his only daughter with tambourines and with dances. Can you imagine your child, your only child? This child that is probably your whole world. Did she know about the vow he had made? Did he tell her to stay away, to stay inside? Jephthah tears his clothes in great sorrow as he knew that the vow that he had made with the Lord, he could not break it. Imagine being in Jephthah's shoes, knowing what you now have to do. And actually, it's the law, as we see written by Moses in the book of Numbers. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Jephthah's daughter goes away for a few months and she grieves. And when she returned, he did to her as he vowed. Jephthah led Israel for six years and then his life came to an end. 
and he was buried with his father in Gilead. His story is about one who is dead to their family, but being brought back to life. God led him to victory in battle, but as a result of it, there was death. The death of his daughter and then eventually his own death as well. But you know, I think there's someone who can relate a little bit to the pain that Jephthah went through. This is his story. There are some similarities to Jephthah's that are found in it, but his story is a little different. His story begins long before Jephthah's Jephthah's ever did and continues on to this very day. You see, this story is about the God that Jephthah made a covenant with, a vow with. See, he holds the world in the palm of his hand, and with his mighty hands he made the world. And he made all of the living creatures, all the land, all the mountains, all the lakes, all the oceans, and the best thing that he ever made, the crown of his creation, was man. It was you and me. All of us. When he made you, he said, it is very good. Because it was his hands that formed you in your mother's womb. And the first people he ever made were Adam and Eve. They had it all. They were living in paradise, walking and talking with God. Until that fateful day. You see, this is a story that starts out with despair. It starts out with grief. Because Adam and Eve screwed up. Just like all of us do. They sinned against God. They disobeyed his command. And so he had to punish them. He banished them from the garden for eating the fruit he told them not to eat. And thus they were no longer able to eat any of the fruit found in the garden, especially from the tree of life. Adam and Eve would not be able to live forever, and they would suffer the same fate that Jephthah and his daughter did. They experienced death. And this is the same fate that all of us will one day experience, unless Christ returns first. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, things were no longer right with the world, and sin became more and more widespread. Nations worshipped other gods apart from the one true God. People indulged in sexual immorality and all kinds of sinful, selfish desires. Does this sound familiar at all? However, amidst all of the despair of the world, God had promised deliverance. Just like in Jephthah's story, he was delivered after being abandoned, after being outcast. Jephthah was brought from death to life. You see, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God promised something. He said, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And many, many years later, long after Jephthah's time, God did what he promised. God kept his vow. He did it all for us. And his vow was similar to Jephthah's, except his vow was much more thought out. 
He still had to sacrifice, though. He had to sacrifice his only son, Jesus Christ. The world is in despair because of sin. And the only thing present in the world is death. All people would die because of their sin. Not only that, but there would be another death too. The death that no one wants to experience. Eternal death. Hell. And so in order to save the world, God had to make a sacrifice. So he sent his son as the sacrifice for all people. Jesus came to sacrifice his life. And Jesus was also an outcast. He was mocked by the leaders. He was mocked by the church people. He was made fun of. He was confronted time and time again. Yet Jesus, he took it all in. He knew what he had to do. And on that fateful day, that Friday, Jesus died on the cross. Yet he rose again three days later. You see, the story of our Savior, it doesn't end in death. Because he was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, God's son. And he was raised from the dead. And in his resurrection, he proved that he defeated the devil. He defeated sin. And he defeated death once and for all. And the story of Jesus is one from death to life as well. And for us, because of what Jesus did, our story is about being brought from death to life too. We are dead in our sin, and because of Jesus' death, we are brought back to life. As the writer of Hebrews put it, God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God's plan for all of you is that you would have life. That in Jesus, you would have the forgiveness of your sins. That you would be brought from death to life. And that you would have eternal life, getting to live forever in heaven with God. And yes, there are times along this journey that we stumble and fall. And so we have one more story to share. It's not Jephthah's or God's though God certainly has a role. But this is my story. This is Glenn's story. And I'll give you some highlights, but before I do, let me draw your attention to some of the songs in our service today. Mighty to save. You hear these words. Everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing. Everyone needs forgiveness the kindness of a savior, the hope of nations. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. The other song is, You Are My All in All. Some words to point out. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. 
seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. My story is and continues to be about a boy, a man, who needs a mighty God to come and save him. Needs forgiveness, needs compassion. My story is about a boy who is weak, who does not seek God as his treasure, who is a fool. I've fallen down numerous times and constantly need God to pick me up. I've gone through troubles, like divorce, where I turned to myself rather than turning to God. I became anorexic and I tried to, to hide from, from friends, from family, hide from God. I worked in the university cafeteria and stole food to try to cover up my anorexia. I also had a fateful day when I was caught stealing for the last time. I was fired on the spot and the manager said that he had to call the company and the company would normally tell him to, uh, to tell the school and to call the cops. This resulting in maybe me getting kicked out of school and maybe getting arrested because at this point I'm a habitual stealer. I went back the next day and the manager said exactly that. The company told him to, to call the cops and tell the school. And he looked at me and said, I'm not going to do that. I went from thinking my life is over, that I'm dead, to walking free. And from that fateful day, I realized I was spiritually dead. There was nothing in my life that was living for God that would show that I was living as a Christian, that I actually was a Christian. I was living in unbelief. And God brought me from death to life. He brought me back to life. He brought me back to faith. I was dead in my sin, and God brought me his salvation. That day, he delivered me as my judge and as my savior. Now, this part of my story is a story that maybe you've heard before. It's an easy story for me to tell, and one that I made just pretty short for you. But it wasn't always an easy story to tell. The point, though, is that I'm no different than you. You could be up here talking because my story is your story and your story is my story. I mean, sure, it's not the same, but there is a part where you have been brought from unbelief to faith, where you have been brought from death to life, where you have been brought from sin to salvation. Maybe that time of unbelief didn't last for years like mine did. Maybe it lasted for decades. And maybe it lasted for seconds, minutes, hours, days, months. Regardless, 
we do not deserve all of the many blessings that we have been given by God. We deserve to lose everything for our sins. We deserve punishment. We deserve eternal death. We deserve hell. But God says to us, I'm not going to do that. And then God goes on to say, because my son has already paid the price for you so that you would be rescued, so that you would be delivered, that you would be brought back from death to life and that you would get to spend forever in paradise with me. And the good news is that our story is not about us. It's not centered on us. We are not the focal point, but it is always, always centered on the one who rescues us, who died for us, who rose for us, who gives us life, who gives us faith, and who gives us salvation, who makes us strong when we are weak because he is mighty to save and because he is our all in all, because he doesn't give up on us and because of his great love for us. Our story is truly his story. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior.